Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Harry Glorikian is a global healthcare entrepreneur, podcaster, and author. For over three decades, he's built multiple successful ventures in the healthcare space, and he's well known for being at the forefront of helping invest in and grow innovative healthcare companies that are tackling groundbreaking areas of healthcare and biotechnology. Harry holds an MBA from Boston University and a bachelor's degree from San Francisco State University. In his latest book, The Future You, How Artificial Intelligence Can Help You Get Healthier, Stress Less, and Live Longer, Glorikin explores how AI is disrupting healthcare and what you need to know to navigate the new medical paradigm and improve your health in monumental ways, starting today. In this episode, we talk about big data and the power of merging this information with AI and wearables. You'll learn how doctors are treating once incurable diseases by rewriting our DNA and how AI is helping them diagnose different cancers and prescribe treatments more precisely. We explore how smartphone and smartwatch technology can help us reach health and fitness goals and sometimes to even predict and survive a health emergency. According to Harry Golorikian, there's quite literally nothing about health and wellness that won't be utterly transformed by the power of AI. This episode focused on the future you is a preview on what's coming and what is already here for us to use. Well, this is such a pleasure, uh, Harry Golorikian. Are you Armenian? Yes. Yes. Well, I'm Iranian, so we we are uh, cousins, I suppose. But I am so delighted to host you. Um, you wrote an incredible, incredible book called The Future You, uh, and it's about how AI is going to transform the medical industry and how we view and consume health. How did you come to write this book? Because you're not a doctor. No, I've been in the industry my whole career. Um, and so I bring my industry expertise and understanding, you know, how we make these products, how we bring them to market, how we get, you know, um, regulatory clearances and get them reimbursed. And then how do they get integrated into, you know, people's lives? And right now we're at the point where many of these technologies can be used by anybody. Um, as opposed to maybe just five years ago, you had to go to your physician for something as simple as maybe blood pressure. Um, but now, you know, I, I can have a, you know, wireless blood pressure cuff on my desk um, or, uh, you know, there's a little $80 ECG for that I can do of my heart and it can look at six parameters. So what was you know totally in the realm of you had to go into the ivory palace you can actually do at home and then that gives you the ability to have your own personal dashboard as opposed to that only that one time where you go see the physician and you know hope that that signal shows up at that one moment 
I, I love that you talk about a personal dashboard because um, recently I launched as part of Ageless a virtual clinic because one of the things that I discovered in Australia, and I'm sure, and certainly your book refers to it um, in the US, that um, the medical system is is overwhelmed and some would even say somewhat broken and and also people don't know that there is so much information available about themselves for themselves that can be an incredible um tool in predictive uh, medicine and you talk about predictive analytics predictive health and um so in the virtual clinic that we launched as part of ageless you can order a full range of bloods uh, stool, uh, DNA um, tests uh, as to form your dashboard. So before you start taking supplements, before you start having medical treatments, you become the owner of your medical dashboard, so to speak. And I want to start our conversation today about what you talk about, which is this predictive analytics. Let's start there. And then I'm going to ask you to kind of um, demystify some of the buzzwords around AI and um, big data and how they can actually be friend, not foe. Sure. So, you know, this predictive capability is I mean, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, when you have enough data, you can sort of see what's going to happen next for the most part. Um, and or, you know, if your temperature is rising, you know, and then goes above a threshold, right? It's the system will then alert you to your temperature is rising, but we're not monitoring ourselves regularly. So, but if you're wearing a, a wearable, which is constantly sort of in the background taking measurements, it can say to you, hey, you know, your sleep really didn't, you, <laughs> you didn't go well last night. Um, you should not work out as hard today as you were maybe planning to mentally in your own mind. Um, so there are these systems out there that are monitoring you that can sort of alert you to what you may not you know, totally realize yourself. Um, you know, I've talked to uh, uh, different individuals where they show that uh, their temperature has been rising. And that was a way they could actually identify that they were getting sick before they actually manifested all the symptoms of getting sick. Because we don't feel sick until our temperature gets high enough that our body then reacts. So one of the things that you spoke about is, um, you know, at the time of the pandemic, um, there was this rush of um, launches of apps uh, that were incredibly effective in uh, predictive medicine. And um, I, I remember reading about the Oura ring, which is, you know, um, <laughs> which you wear, a lot of people wear. Uh, Miranda Kerr, who was my first guest on the podcast, she was uh, espousing the benefits of the Oura ring uh, or the Apple Watch that so many people have. Um, but there was a particular thing where, you know, the Oura ring was giving some predictive analytics uh, on temperature that would then perhaps alert you to the fact that you should go and get a PCR or a COVID test. And then there was another app that you spoke about that was listening to the sound of your cough. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. The cough one in the end, I, I don't think they had enough data to use it all the time. 
But the Aura Ring and the Apple Watch, um, even as well as the, the Whoop Band, all the ones that sort of monitor your temperature, what they were able to do was show that as their temperature was going up, they could indicate that something was going wrong. And since we were in the middle of COVID, it was a good guess that you were having early onset of COVID and that you should have yourself tested. As a matter of fact, the, um, the National Basketball Association, when they did their, you know, put everybody in the dome uh, for, so that they could continue their games, everybody was issued an aura ring, which became wow. the early warning system that people might be getting sick. Amazing. Um, a beautiful story. And I love the way that I uh, read your book was fantastic because I think whether you come to it from a science background or an absolute layperson, um, you you storytell so well and you bring into your book so many examples that we're familiar with. And so we really understand what you're talking about. And you gave an incredible story about the movie Moneyball and you talked about Moneyball medicine. Um, I'd love for you to just uh, share a little bit of that story and how it relates to um, AI in health. So if and I would recommend that people see the movie if they don't want to read the book, right? Because Brad Pitt's in it and it's, a, you know, uh, Jonah Hill and it, it is really a great movie. But the whole premise of the movie is all about how do we use data to analyze players in all different situations, their batting, their catching, et cetera, to then assemble a team that you may never even think about assembling. But in the end, the data shows that this team will perform admirably. Um, and the Oakland A's went very far in that process. And if you look at, I think, almost any sports team now, you know, they may have great scouts, but the data speaks for itself. And all the teams are using some level of data analytics to be able to pick the players and put them in the right positions. Um, the same thing goes if you take that same analogy and think about it from a medicinal or health perspective, right? The data itself sort of helps you optimize how you'll manage a patient or the data around a patient indicate like an early onset of a disease. Um, there are different systems now, let's say in a intensive care unit where you know all the beeps and the boops and the sounds that are going on will alert a physician to say, this pa the patient in bed number eight in the next 48 to 72 hours has a high, a high probability of crashing. So you should do something now to intervene. Human beings were never designed to manage all the beeps in the, I mean, there's just too much data. Whereas the AI systems can monitor these, correlate the data, and then be able to identify, hey, there's a problem you may want to get ahead of it and, and get on top of it. There's another system that's at Stanford where it can tell the physician a year in advance that this person may have a high probability of dying. So as a physician, you should sit down with that patient and have that conversation. One of the... Um... What I liked about the book is that you all you illustrated that we already are living with a lot of AI that we may not have attributed to AI. So, you know, fertility tests um, uh, are 
have for a long time been using aggregated big data to then predict, uh, you know, fertility. Can you give some other examples of AI that we're already living with comfortably? Because one of the things around AI and big data is people's, uh, you know, uh, obvious and uh, relatable concerns for privacy breaches, for the sheer volume of personal data that is being collected and stored and then uh, aggregated uh, for this AI to be useful. But what are some of the things that are already um, using AI and predictive medicine? So, well, first of all, I would say to anyone that if you're using Facebook, you probably already are giving away too much information personally. Um, but that said, I mean, some of the most common areas, just to put it into perspective of what people are doing every day, is if you're asking Siri a question, that's AI. If you're doing a Google search, that's AI. Um, if Netflix is making a recommendation, that's AI. So it's already working for you. You just may not realize it, which is the beauty of the technology. From a medical perspective, the places where I'm seeing probably the highest level of use in hospitals, especially is places uh, in, say, radiology, imaging, x-rays, things like that, where the AI will scan the image and be able to identify problems or um, there's a few systems I've seen where it will actually look at an image and change the order and move it up to say, hey, Mr. Radiologist, you should look at this before uh, this other image because there's a problem. There's been a number of uh, new FDA approvals, even since I've written the book in pathology, where it will help the pathologist make a better decision on certain types of cancer, prostate cancer being one of them. Um, so. These things are being used dramatically within the medical community now, or growing, I should say, in the medical community to the point where I would say we're probably at that turning point. If if physicians aren't using it, you have to wonder why, mm. because they're advancing so much. And all the papers that you read is the AI by itself or the physician by itself are never as good as the two together. Let's talk about some of the definitions as well before we go further. What is AI? What is big data? Um, and there, there were some other definitions that you had in your book that I think are really interesting. Yeah, I, I you know, in the book, I, there's a periodic table that sort of lays it out that makes it easy for people to sort of understand the different aspects of AI. But the easiest way to think about AI is it's, you know, trying to reproduce what a person would do, Right. And I don't mean a very complex thought process, right? But even if it's just something simple, repeatable that like, um, you know, does the system identify a cat properly, right? That's that's a famous one that, you know, <laughs> we first saw image analysis on. Because there's so many images of cats, you could train it to be able to identify the cat. Um, so you're trying to get it to do something over and over and over again. Um, AI is also a big catchphrase. In other words, think of AI as the toolbox. And then inside the toolbox are different forms of AI. One might be called machine learning. One might be called deep learning. There are different tools inside the toolbox of AI that you say, well, I wanna, I wanna do this particular function. This tool is the best tool to be used that to do that function. But they're all a subset of this catch-all phrase called artificial intelligence. 
And when when it comes to um, you know the sub tools within the AI that you talk about in your book, are we ultimately trying to distill the human brain and all of the knowledge from the medical field and then marry it with big data? To uh, is it to speed up the learning? Is it to serve more people? What is the benefit of I guess sharing our valuable personal data? to AI so that we can all benefit from it. Because again, you know, every I guess we all want the benefit, but we are all cautious about the sheer volume of personal data. Yeah, I, well, it's all of the above. If, if I had to really, I mean, if I look at all the examples, it really is all of the above. I mean, there's the personal aspect of the artificial intelligence systems or software that I end up liking are the ones that translate the information into just, I get it. Like, I don't need to be a doctor to be able to understand that something is going on. And it makes it easy for me to sort of interpret all that data in an easy to understand way. Um, For the medical community, it's a way to sort of you can look at many different data points and it distills it down for you. And you might not notice that this thing is headed in the wrong direction. From a diagnostic perspective, it's a way to help diagnose people much faster and much more accurately than the human might, right? Um, You know, humans get tired, (laughs) right? We're fallible, we make mistakes. We're fallible. it yeah, just, there's so many examples of medical errors uh, from just the human fallibility. And we certainly saw that with the pandemic, with, you know, the the overburdening of the healthcare sector. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, um, that would have hugely impacted accuracy and efficacy. Yeah. And, and what, you, what you see is these technologies helping, right? Not not replacing, but helping sort of identify things faster, more accurately, and in cahoots with like a human being to make that next level decision to to be able to manage that patient better and and get them a say more of a specific treatment that they would then benefit from. Or what my favorite part of this is the identification of disease before it fully manifests. So if I can see something happen before it or starting to happen before it fully happens, maybe I can change its course. And And that's got to be valuable, right? Because I know that you noted in your book that at the last Davos meeting, the World Economic Forum, um, they highlighted that healthcare is literally the most important frontier and the and where we all need to race to. And then, of course, you know, we've got Jeff Bezos and uh, in Amazon, um, you know, dedicating an entire, um, you know, uh, future fund for the business to create a healthcare model and a healthcare business. Mark Zuckerberg has jumped in. Um, uh, who else? I think I think just about I mean, Apple. Apple. Apple just put out like a 50-page white paper about all the areas that they're participating in healthcare. Um, but you know, if you think about it, so the biggest expenses that we have as, as different nations is chronic illness. Well, if you can identify those illnesses before they become full-blown chronic and you can intervene, the amount of money you'll spend, you save is huge. Plus, 
everybody's happier because they're not sick and they're economically, you know, producing for the nation that they live in. So if you think about like my watch one day, um, and I, I covered this in the book was, you know, ping me one day and it said, um, have you been diagnosed with sleep apnea? And I said, yes. <laughs> and it said, are you being treated for sleep apnea? And I said, yes. And it said, thank you so much for contributing to our research. Now, it was an app on my phone that was monitoring my heart. And what it noticed was a pattern of my heart, I guess, when I was sleeping, that indicated that I had a high probability of having sleep apnea. Now, had I not been diagnosed, and sleep and had apnea, I not just been for anyone treated, who's not familiar with it, is where you stop breathing during your sleep. So it it is a medical condition and it is important enough to warrant being researched and being pinged if you are suffering from sleep apnea. Yeah. And so if if anybody listening to this snores, high probability that you may have sleep apnea. So you may want to have it checked out. But if you do have sleep apnea and you're not sleeping well, you're not giving your body a chance to repair itself and you fall apart slowly over time. It's not a good, it's not a pleasant condition. But imagine that if all the Apple watches could alert everybody that they may have sleep apnea and now they can be treated for it, all the associated diseases that they would get because of it, you might be able to prevent the vast majority of those. First of all, I think people would be happier because they don't have a, the, the disease or wouldn't manifest the disease. The second thing is, is imagine how much money the system would save because we're not treating all these people for these debilitating diseases. That's the power of these technologies, in my opinion. Okay. Well, you're in the VC uh, world, and so you're looking at all the things that are coming out and looking at it from an investment perspective. I was wondering if we could go back to some of the big players that you know our listeners are familiar with, like Google, like Amazon, like Facebook, like um, Microsoft, and just give us a little summary of what they're doing in this space and why it matters. Yeah, I mean, so interesting what all these guys are doing. Um, you know, the minute everything went to data, all of them were like, hmm, "Now you're in. Now you're in our world, right? We're gonna we're gonna figure this out." And so, if you think about somebody like Google, has a division called Deep Minds. Um, it's the the uh, technology. It sounds that won, nefarious. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it won. It won like. Um, the game Go and different games like that, it just destroyed you know, the best players in the world. Um, and it's just an incredibly interesting uh, technology division that they have. But DeepMinds came out with a product called AlphaFold. Now, this was one of those technologies where um, if you're trying to develop a drug, one of the biggest things is figuring out how the protein folds. These are incredibly complicated um, calculations that you have to do to figure out how a protein folds. Now, I can tell you the old-fashioned way that we do it, it could have taken us my entire lifetime wow. to calculate how a protein might be folded. Their product that they developed is you can now calculate, they've, they've now calculated every protein ever discovered and created a library for it. So everybody out there that's working on developing drugs 
now understands how that protein is folded. Incredible. And that's so available. Their contribution to the world is unbelievable, right? Uh, pe- the average person will never understand what they just said here. <laughs> Take it. It's available to all of you. Um, so that's one example of how they're, they're making that sort of contribution. Apple is constantly uh, pushing the envelope on not just the products that you see that the average person uses, but the data they make available to researchers on the back end uh, that yeah, would then advance that. their research in the medical area. Uh, there was one I, I did a podcast of where I interviewed uh, a company called Rune, which has developed an FDA-approved app for Parkinson's. And the reason they could develop that is Apple has a micro-movement data set that they get off the watches that they were able to tap into to then create that FDA-cleared So it's a predictive app? So it starts tracking your micro-movement? Wow. Yes. So imagine you have Parkinson's and the physician just said, okay, I'm going to prescribe you this medication. Hopefully it will help. Well, how do you measure if it's helping or not? Right. If you have an app that's able to sort of detect every micro movement, now there's feedback to the physician to say, yes, I can see this medication I've given you is actually helping because I have a measurement. But before that, what would they say? They'd say, do you feel better? Is it, are you having, that is not an objective measurement. But with an app on your wrist all the time that's measuring everything, now I can give you feedback. No, that medication doesn't look like it's working. Maybe we need to give you something different. And what about Amazon? What's what's the um, development that they have? Because I, they were very ambitious in wanting to enter the healthcare space. Yeah, so um, the big public one that you heard about, you know, uh, was Haven, and I, they shut that down. That did that did not translate into going well. But and Haven was about there, telehealth. Is that correct? It had a telehealth component, but it was trying to sort of rethink the whole system, which might have been too ambitious <laughs> uh, to try to take on all at one time. Um, but they're they're working on it in a number of ways. One is on their cloud side. They've made a lot of. Uh, progress on helping healthcare companies utilize their cloud in a secure way and making it sort of easy for them to use. That's one. Um, But the second has been recently, they just bought a company called One Medical, which is in the primary care space. So now they're, I'm waiting to see like what the, not fallout, but next steps of that will be and what their larger thought is. But it looks like they're making a much stronger move into health and wellness. And I think what you'll also see is Alexa playing more of a role in the health and wellness of people at home. So imagine you're wearing something, you have a wearable on, and Alexa can ask you, hey, you know, I noticed your heart rate was up last night. Is everything okay? Or did you take your meds? Because I noticed that your blood pressure is up. Wow, yeah, that could be useful. Yeah, but just think about it. It's just a trigger, right? So you take your blood pressure measurement. It's high. It's been high for one or two days. 
triggers Alexa to say, excuse me, you know, did you take your med? Oh my God, I forgot. And that little reminder might keep you on track. So I think you'll see in the next two, three, four years, like that integration happening much, much faster. And you talked about, we touched on, but we'll we'll go back to it, um, the role of AI in personalized medication. Where is that going? Because that's a really exciting space. So, I mean, I was very lucky. I've been in precision medicine, you know, most of my career. I was there when we did the genome and we could see how if you had cancer in particular, every cancer has, I call it a personality, right? It's actually like a genetic sequence that makes it vulnerable or susceptible to something. If I can sequence that and then understand what drug actually works against that sequence, I have a higher probability of, you know, destroying that cancer and therefore saving that person or making it more of a chronic disease than maybe a a, a full-blown death sentence. And so over the years, the number of uh, drugs that are being approved have a gene sequence associated with them. So we're at the point where I don't know how you practice oncology without using some sort of computational system to understand this sequence, this drug, right, to to make this connection. And that's where we're seeing some of the biggest advances in sequencing a person for, I think now sequencing is down to about $400. Uh, We are talking about it going to less than $100, uh, not that long from now. Um, At some point, we're not even going to talk about the cost of sequencing because it's going to be a rounding error. Um, And then you're going to find the right drug to the right tumor type that might have the biggest impact. Now, unfortunately, we don't have a drug for everything. But every year that goes by, there are more and more of these that are getting approved that are having a dramatic impact on the health and wellness of these patients. And so utilizing artificial intelligence to help identify the sequence information to do the analysis and then to identify the right drug is, I mean, I don't even want to call that futuristic medicine. I I think that's modern medicine. So if we're talking about what's here now and what you would recommend to our audience, what are some of the things that we can um, and we should avail ourselves to immediately? What are some of the apps that you love Uh, What are some of the um, health markers that you think we should be measuring and sharing with our medical um, practitioner or just having for our own personal dashboards? So there's a couple, you know, first of all, I think there's a whole area of remote patient monitoring that is growing, that if you're a patient with a chronic disease um, and your primary care, you know, sort of gets on one of these systems, what happens is a box of technology shows up at your home. And it's very simple things, but it's associated with your illness. And then every time you take a measurement, it will automatically show up in the physician's system. So you can get more, they'll be more up to date than waiting for you to go see them. So I mean, I highly recommend that people should ask their physician if they're planning on going to a remote patient monitoring system. 
But if you're a healthy individual and you want to sort of stave off things or make sure that you're on the, the right path, there's you can start off as simple as a, a wireless scale, right? Mm-hmm. And these wireless scales don't just take your weight. They'll take, you know, your heartbeat. They, they might give you an idea of uh, cardiac health. Mine does, um, which is from a company called Withings. Um, if you believe that you have a heart condition in your family, I would go out and get a, a blood pressure cuff, a wireless one that, you know, hooks up to your phone. Um, so that you can monitor it and you notice that if it's going in the wrong direction, you know, that might tell you, look, a little bit more exercise, maybe a little less salt in your diet, some, just sort of so you don't end up on medication. Um, I personally love my, there's an app on my phone called Auto Sleep that hooks up to my Apple Watch. And that's sort of my bellwether about how well did I sleep the night before. and by Using that over time, I've been able to figure out how to optimize my sleep better and what really bothers it and what keeps it in line. Um, You know, again, from a cardiac perspective, an app like um, this little Cardia device, which does an ECG of my heart, is a very cheap and easy way to, to manage it. And you can send all the information to your physician. And then finally, for those people that you know, want to sort of manage their food and their energy levels better is I would recommend a continuous glucose monitor. Yes. I mean, can- uh, Professor David Sinclair from, you know, Harvard, he he really advocates for this particular reading so that you can see how food interacts with your body and what foods in particular are beneficial yes. for you and what your body is actually rejecting. And you wouldn't know unless you were met. Uh, monitoring it. Yes. And there's so many people that are pre-diabetic and don't know it. This would give you a better indication of where you are on the, on the scale. Yeah. And well, if you just make some minor changes and you can avoid being a full-blown diabetic, I don't know anybody that would be like, oh yes, no, I really want to be diabetic. So if they had the information, it's empowering them to be able to manage that more efficiently. You also mentioned, uh, which I loved and I didn't know, that Beyonce and Jay-Z entered into the health space with AI with a, um, a a food business, essentially. Tell me more about that because that that one blew my mind and I loved it. I thought, yes, I want to get on board. <laughs> yes, there's actually quite a few celebrities that have been trying to sort of ease their way into this or, or jump into this. I mean, and, and a lot of them have venture businesses actually making active investments in this space. But, you know, theirs is around diet and sort of utilizing the app to identify, you know, foods and things based on your goals that they would then, the app would then be able to recommend accordingly. Um, and you could see that with these CGM apps also where, you know, God, I really like that food, but it, really spikes me. The app will recommend a similar food Wow! that, you know, might um, be just as good that you might enjoy, but that might not cause the same reaction. And here's the interesting thing. Um, once you're done with the, the wearable, the app is smart enough after one month of 
looking at all the foods, that it can predict what's going to happen by you just telling it what you're about to eat. Wow. So with uh, with the food app, the one that we were talking about that Jay-Z and Beyonce had, one of the things that it does is that it will not only recommend what you have, but it will also, through AI, send you the shopping list, send you the ing- the recipes. So it will actually yes. build out an entire nutritional program for you. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It'll do, I forget how long it is. It's like a 22 day or 25 day or something like that um, planner that it will give you based on what you're trying to achieve. I like that. And I also um, read that, um, you know, meditation apps like Calm are now going into a more personalized model based on AI data that they're collecting. Is that correct? Yeah, there's the biggest boom, especially during the pandemic, was the mental health uh, applications. And, you know, um, meditation is a big one on that. As a matter of fact, I've been looking at a company that I really like that has a wearable associated with an app. Um, And what it does is the wearable sees you're getting wound up and the app then in real time says, hey, why don't we take a few minutes and do a breathing (laughs) exercise to, to sort of, well, because once you're wound up, like coming down is really hard. Unbelievable. You can it's like a little whisper in, in your ear. Calm exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. But think about like the power of that. Like if something whispers at you in your ear and says, let's do a, like one minute of breathing. And that stops that whole process. I, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't be happy. No, it's incredible. I've absolutely loved having you. This is such a great starter conversation and um, it's such an interesting space. And what I love about it is that the future you is already here and so much of what you talk about in the book um, we can use right now to improve our health span, to improve our lifespan, to improve our quality of life as well. And um, I would really encourage uh, everyone to get a hand, get their hands on, on your book. And I would love to invite you back um, a little bit down the track to see what the innovations are, because this is such a wonderful space. And um, we're, you know, very much on board at Ageless for anything that takes the power back into your own hands and gives you, as you said at the beginning of the recording, your personal dashboard so that you can make science-based decisions and that you can, you know, circumvent the guesswork and the wastage of time and money when it comes to, uh, you know, being empowered for your health and well-being. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've, I've actually been writing a new presentation because there, I've had a couple of groups that I spoke to as soon as the book came out, and now they're asking for updates. Well, we can't wait to have you on the new presentation. Harry, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I know we, we tried to do this over a couple of months, but it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you. And I would really like to ask that you keep me updated on everything you're investing in because I'll have what you're having. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, thank you. That was great. Let me know if you need anything else. I'm happy to help with whatever you need.
Yeah, look, I would really love to have you come back um, maybe in six months' time and we talk about some of the, you know, what's happening next. I think this was a really beautiful consumer version of it so that people yep. can kind of feel like, yeah, you know, I can do something right now, but it would be really wonderful for you to talk about some of the deep science and some of the big things that are happening. I would love that as a part two. Sure. Sounds great. Anytime. What an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm really sorry for last time. I apologize. I hope you had a great holiday. No, not a problem. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship, but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 